Hello, everyone, and we thank you for joining us to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And our subject today is God, and we will begin with our morning prayer. I'm reading excerpts from Science and Health, page 228 and 412, and then miscellany. Uh, 279. There is no power apart from God. Omnipotence has all power, and to acknowledge any other power is to dishonor God. The humble Nazarene overthrew the supposition that sin, sickness, and death have power. He proved them powerless. The power of Christian science and divine love is omnipotent. It is indeed adequate to unclasp the hope and to destroy disease, sin, and death. And God is Father, infinite. And this great truth, when understood in its divine metaphysics, will establish the brotherhood of man and wars and demonstrate on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Beautiful, thank you. And Karen in the watching point. Watch number 172. Watch lest you stagnate with the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The concept of God held by these patriarchs was far in advance of any other conception set forth in that age. But the phraseology of this threefold name would indicate that the understanding of God did not improve or broaden during several generations. An improving conception of God is the hope of the race. There should never be a stopping point for mortals, since Mrs. Eddy tells us that to understand God is the work of eternity. Christian science sets forth the correct concept of God. And as the student studies this and seeks to understand it, he should feel that each day brings him nearer to this goal. But he should never believe that he has attained it and can stop all efforts to progress toward it. Spiritual growth demands a concept of demonstration that is constantly broadening and improving, onward, outward, and upward. Our Wednesday evening meetings symbolize this going onward. The church business meetings, the broadening outward, and the Sunday services reaching upward. One spiritual growth depends upon this improving idea of God and his broadening concept of demonstration. Science and health refers to improved beliefs. It is fitting that one's first concept in use of demonstration should appertain to the personal benefits he expects to receive from his use. What a sad plight would be the stagnation of a student who spent all his days applying the power of truth to improve material belief without reaching the point where he seeks to rise above material sense through the realization of its nothingness. He would surely deserve the classification of being an idolater. The only way students can avoid that name is to seek to rise higher in their use of demonstration and understanding of God each day. Thank you. Okay, comments on that one? Well, I was just thinking while she was reading it that where it says spiritual growth demands a concept of demonstration that is constantly broadening and improving onward, outward, and upward. It reminded me of that poem, The Deer's Cry, how we, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing that the Christ is before you and, and every which way. And it's our spiritual growth that lets us know that. So. Thank you. Uh, also, the improving conception of God is the hope of the race. Mm. So I think individually, you know, I, that is dependent on each one of us and on me. So I have to um, make sure that each that I that that is happening when I'm studying and praying that that I am, my concept of God is growing. Um, and also where it says, um, oh, what was it? 
well, anyway, that was many of the things, one of the things that came to me about this, but that, that, oh, yes, and that Christian science sets forth the correct concept of God. And I just thought how, that's how, why Christian science is so important, and I'm so to be grateful for it and joyful that it does, it is the only um, science that brings the science of God to mankind. Thank you. Those are the two points I thought, too. It's the, the hope of the race. You know, many um, countries either are uh, prospering or not, according to the prevalence of what religion they they practice in those countries. You can see it. And it, it is true. The Christian countries are much more enlightened. And it's, prosperous. And prosperous in every way. And so much has happened uh, in the way of that, too, since Christian science was discovered by Mrs. Eddy, as far as the incredible prosperity of of certainly America, but all nations, not that that is necessarily good because it puts people to sleep or so it would seem, but it can be good. At least the needs are met. They're not starving. Um, but our work is never done until all nations come to this true, the true science of Christian science. I, we Go ahead, Lawrence. No, I think the right understanding of God, what God is and what God does for man is necessary in all nations, then, you know, we won't, you know, be dependent on other nations or thinking that they have and we don't and that kind of thing. Um, I think the right is, is true. The Christian science brings the right understanding concept concept of God, and that is very important. Thank you so much. That's so true. All nations are so blessed and have everything they need because the kingdom of heaven of God is within us. So it's within each individual. Therefore, it's within nations, too. We don't have to be warring and fighting and wanting what others have. And when human laws pattern the divine laws, we will have peace. We will have brotherhood. We will have, you know. We'll get along. Um, some of us have been watching The Chosen again. Um, seen it once or seeing it twice. It's so wonderful. It's worth watching again. But anyway, what, what struck me is, um, you know, Nicodemus. He was in the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin, yeah. He, Sanhedrin. Was, he was one of the top guys. And... Um, when the other Pharisees were accusing Jesus of healing on the Sabbath or other things, Nicodemus said, you know, what are you getting? You're so stuck on these old rules and laws because that's this is the rules of, you know, this is what our father Abraham gave us. Just what this watching point was saying. So therefore, it's, it's justified in attacking Christ Jesus. So this is a very important point here that our our views must keep changing and growing because look what that did. Their refusal to change and grow in their understanding of God, that is what attacked the Christ with such ridiculous things. I mean, here he couldn't heal someone who needed it because it was the Sabbath. Well, that's because it was the law of Moses and Abraham. Therefore, misinterpreted. <laughs> misinterpreted. So I just thought that was such a strong example. But Nicodemus saw this. He did in the movie. He did anyway. He, he understood this, which is why he wanted that private interview with Christ Jesus. And anyway, it's very beautifully portrayed and so important that we see and understand all of this and realize. I, I know for myself, these past few couple of years with this pandemic going on, my understanding of God has greatly deepened. And I'm grateful for that because we're, we're forced in many ways to go higher. And that's why trials are proofs of God's care. And it should deepen everyone's understanding. Everybody should go higher. 
Um, now, before we get into anything more, I just wanted to mention last week we talked about that beautiful healing in Australia, referring to in Science and Health, page 559, the still small voice of scientific thought reaches over continent and ocean to the globe's remotest bound. And it was just brought out how when Mrs. Eddy practiced that by healing someone all the way in Australia, and then later finding out her thought going out. And at that time, she didn't know where it was going, but she just sent it out. She found out later that mm. someone had been healed in Australia of, the, of a serious problem. And Carrie did find, and, and I would like both of these things put on our website. Carrie looked it up and found it was Mary Baker Eddy, A New Look at Her Place in Bible Prophecy by Helen Wright. She found it there. Now, I, I was surprised. Some of you have not heard of Helen Wright. Helen Wright has written many books about Mrs. Eddy. We don't have her books on our website, but she certainly was an independent Christian scientist. Um, she has passed on now, but she does have a website. Does anyone remember the name of it? MBE Institute. Thank you. They're independent. It's run by a, a Julie Treadwell now, I think, whose husband is a lawyer, and his hus the husband visited us years ago during the the trial. Um, and Nathan, our dear Nathan, he he was invited to go visit them in Florida um, a few weeks ago. Anyway, they do have a website, and uh, it was originally this Helen Wright's website, and and she was an independent. And her books are very interesting. I think we have all of them, right? Yes, definitely, yes. and some. And that Aglet just sent me one, too. But anyway, so you can read more about that healing, and we'll put it up, okay, both of these, because both of them, the one that um, Louise found and the one that Carrie found, there's a little, they're a little different. They add, they complement each other, and it was such a beautiful story. Anyone else on that? All right. Well, we have, I told Gary today, today I could talk for 50 hours, not just two or three, 50. <laughs> so go on for several days. So I hope everybody's ready. To <laughs> She'll cut it down to 48 hours. <laughs> it's all up to everyone. And whether I get to it or not, the beautiful things you wrote on the forum and the beautiful articles Carrie sent, it just is endless on our wonderful subject of God. And we will start with the golden text, Lillian. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth to, unto God. Thank you. And Karen, what did you write about in the forum? Well, I'm not looking at it at the moment, but I just, when I read the lesson, and I, I under, when I see a I'm, a word pop out, I underline it just to see how many times. And 24 times, power or or uh, omnipotence came up. And so I immediately went to the golden text, and I, God has spoken what, one, 24 times if I heard this. <laughs> <laughs> power belongs unto God. I said, how many more times do I need to hear <laughs> for me to get, oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. He's got all power. Pretty clear this week. Well, and yeah, we need to, don't we need though to be told over and over because we're getting blessed yes. the time that there's all these other powers, and um, yeah. I like more than twenty four times a day. I'll tell you more. You know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah. And I liked what um, Jasmine wrote. She said, she quotes the golden text, and then she says, an invisible sword rests in its sheath to the side of the body, symbolizing the truth that power belongeth unto God, that God will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's quoting Psalms and Hebrews. And then, beginning where I am, I rest in God, and like David, I strive to live out from God, 
by trusting in his presence and power, the all in all, whom there is none else. And Carrie just brought to mind, she sent me, it's a very sweet little article, and it's referring to the 91st Psalm, but it's also referring to um, trusting in God. And this is what we have to do, especially when you're starting out. Um, this is something from Open Letters from an 1891 issue of the Christian Science Journal. And all that I'm referring to now, yes, Carousel Liberator. Okay. God said, fear not, I am with you, even to the end of the world. Nothing can separate me from God. Immediately an illustration came to my thought, like one talking to me. A little child was afraid to go through a dark hall into another room. Her father and her mother assured her that there was nothing to fear and bade her to go. Her childlike faith and confidence enabled her to put aside her fears and go, thus proving the truth of their words. Now, God, our loving Father, has spoken to me through the Bible and science and health, telling me to go boldly forward through this seeming darkness of human beliefs, for it is nothing. Has he not said, I am God and there is none else? Because God has made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Then shall I not become as trusting as a little child and believe, understand what God tells me and go forward knowing that God is all. Thus I communed for a time, and a sweet sense of God's presence and power came to me. That is it, my friends. Because many of us don't feel this. You have to take it by word. It, it, as Karen said, 24 times, power belongs to God. This other, our beliefs, they're not true. They're not real. And you must go forward, taking the Father's hand and just March on, and you will find them. It's like the story in the Eustace book, The Psychologist and the Magician. He had to go through this cave, and the magician had made it seem like these horrible things were in this cave. And the man had to have the faith to know to walk forward and not, not be afraid. And when he did, what happened? He got, he got there. Yeah, the... And, and all the illusions disappeared. They're illusions. They didn't harm him as they threatened to. This idea, you know, Jesus said, if you believe on me, the works that I do, will you do also? This word believe, the way Jesus used it, it's, it has very deep meanings and it and it it seems to me the way i think about it it has at least two steps to it the first believe for most of us is at least believe that what i'm telling you is true believe, believe that it's true i'm not going to lie to you so we take on faith what jesus has told us about God and about what God does for us. We take on faith some of what Mrs. Eddy has written about who and what God is and who and what we are. And then we, put, we take it on faith. We believe that it's true. And then in our day-to-day -day existence, when by believing that it's true, we are healed or we are helped in other ways, we are lifted up, we receive the inspiration when we need it, we are protected. When things happen in our life that show that, yes, in fact, it is true, and we were right to believe that it was true, then we begin to understand it. And every experience that we have strengthens 
our believing that it's true. And it's hey, thank you so much. Go ahead. And, and then it becomes stronger and stronger, and it becomes understanding instead of just faith. And this is a process. We don't leap into understanding without first having the faith that it's true and trying it. Try the spirits. In other words, test it. And that's not, you know, that's kind of a scary thing to do sometimes. When the devil is yelling at us, telling us to be afraid of things. And Jesus says, fear not. If we can take that step, lose the fear, trust that what Jesus has told us is true. Trust what Mary Baker Eddy has told us is true because they've proved it to themselves. We will something very different. Go ahead. No, I think what Mrs. Eddy says is so uh, encouraging when she says that, uh, page 420 of Science and Health, she says, tell the sick that they can meet disease fearlessly if they only realize that divine love gives them all power over every physical action and condition. Um, it's what you're saying, you know, acceptance that there's a power somewhere with us, with us all the time, within us, wherever we go, whatever we're doing, whatever comes up, there is this power. And believing in that power, we can then we can prove it by, uh, you know, knowing that this power is with us. I think it's very important, um, you know, that we are not alone, he says. We are not alone, he said so. So I think from that point of view, it's very helpful. Thank you. And that is the source of our comfort, isn't it? Yes. That there is a power. And the fact that we can prove it is because it is true. If it weren't true, we wouldn't be able to prove it. And as many times as we're told about God being all power, equally, there are times we're being told not to be afraid. They go, they, they go hand in hand. Um, over and over, you're told, don't be afraid, I'm with you. But I thought that was a beautiful illustration, and we've had it before, of be childlike. That's why you have to be childlike to enter in the kingdom of God. The willingness to trust him and not to fear and, and walk through the seeming beliefs when it's shouting at you that it's real. Um, so another, well, one thing before we leave the 91st Psalm, there was another beautiful. Sorry. Oh, sorry, uh, Craig. I, just a thought. What does it say to a person that wakes up in the morning and, and seeks prove that God is all or that is supreme, you know, uh, it wakes up with an energy to prove, not not waiting for it to happen, <laughs> but kind of seeks it out. Is that a bad attitude? Is that the right attitude to take? Someone that wakes up in the morning and seeks to find what next, God, would you have me prove or Sure. Well, you're supposed to prove all things and hold fast to that, which is good. Oh, right. Thank you. So don't, yeah. all right. don't have to wait for the situation to occur, but look for. Because some of these uh, refutes or, well, arguments that God is all, they're not very obvious, you know, and they just, if you're not looking for them, sometimes you don't see them. No, well, that no, yeah. no, but you have to ask God. You know, prove himself with the humility of a child. You can't ask God to prove himself with the arrogance, of, you know, that, okay, God, come on, pr prove yourself to me, or or you're a phony. No, no, well, you know, right. It's the motive that matters. Okay. Well, so, he's, his question's a little different. But I think, you know, just getting up out of bed, there are plenty of opportunities to prove God as well. You know, yes, it's, it's good to have an attitude that you're going to do it, a positive attitude, but 
they'll be all over the place. You just have to have the eyes to see. Many times you don't even see how you can prove God is all. In so many instances, um, there is no other power. And certainly listening to the news and... Um, well, the, and the fact that the fact that you do wake up in the morning and you are conscious of your own existence, that should be proof enough <laughs> that God is all-powerful. Yeah. Something much more powerful than me created me and gave me life. And thank God for the coming day. And I thank God every morning when I wake up for life and for truth and for love. Love. I start thinking now in a lowly position that I'm a custodian, which is like the lowest position that people out of a school may have. They just clean up the, the slop um, that people leave. And, and that's helped some to keep me humble and looking for what next um, that helps anybody. Oh, yes. Whatever way keeps you humble is important. Supposed to be servants. Well, we are servants of God, not servants of matter. People. Or people. Now, these two 91st ones are for our next liberator, but this one is one called The Song of the Angels. And and it's it's true, I hadn't thought about this at Christmas where Christmas carol rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing mm. that's such a beautiful sentiment and many of us who are feeling weary can rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing they always have beautiful things to tell us and the beautiful 91st psalm and it, it talks about as you make your god your habitation Remember, we talk about this all the time, living and dwelling in God. Then no evil shall befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Stay in that consciousness. Because if you don't, in hum in, to belief, you can think that some evil has befalled you or some plague has come nigh your dwelling. There's always this falling away first. Be aware of your thinking. What are you thinking? If, you're, if you get... Deluge by God not being the only power, then you're susceptible to some of this. You've got to stay in God's house, in the consciousness of God, in his habitation. And in Christ Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many mansions, so there's room for everybody. <laughs> but you need to be consciously there all the time and not let your thought fall or drift. This is what it means to... to Remain watchful, mindful in the present moment. And you can be anywhere doing a multiple amount of things and still be doing this, staying grounded and poised, just as the Christ was. So. And, and, and don't, don't let myself get distracted by other things first thing in the morning. Yeah. 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 Now, this was another beautiful article called The Power of God by Duncan Sinclair. And I think it makes a good point. He says, it can be said without much fear of contradiction that the great majority of mankind are oblivious to the power of God. They believe tremendously in the power of matter and what they call the forces of nature. Manifested, for example, in the electric current, gravity, and so forth. And those among them who are versed in so-called physical science are firmly persuaded that what mortals call matter has stored up in it incalculable power, which someday may be liberated and harnessed in the service of men. Many believe so strongly in the reality of matter and material power that they will hardly admit the existence of any other power outside of matter. When one thinks of it, does it not seem extraordinary that such should be the case? Where does God come in? Where does the power of God come in? With the majority of mankind. I just, they just go to church on Sunday, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so true. That's awesome, really. I mean, in, not not revering that there is this power, you know, that that my hand is in its in its hand or something. Yeah, I think that's yeah, not acknowledging that power, not revering it. Yes. And, you know, this lesson really rips apart this idea that there's some other power. I thought it was interesting. Um, God's condemnation of sin, sickness, and death. Condemnation to sentence to death. Complete disapproval. Public censure to declare to be reprehensibly wrong. Sin, disease, and death. God, that is the only thing God condemns. He doesn't condemn people, but he condemns error. And then Christian science exterminates the drug. Hello? <laughs> and rests on mine alone as a curative principle, acknowledging that the divine mind has all power. Exterminate, destroy, utterly, to root out. Now we can know this truth as as big materia medica is parading all around. This truth is operating because this is the truth. And again, we take it maybe at first by, by faith. By faith. And again, if anyone needs to ever take the vaccine to do whatever they have to do, that is fine too. We know it can't help it can't harm that's fine and i speak this humbly i told you years ago i had a cesarean section i'm sure i was pumped up with all kinds of drugs and actually i was grateful for it i probably would have been in terrible pain <laughs> say hey you know that's how it was so i say this humbly but also with the faith to know that this is true this is the truth and this should put to rest in our minds, the, this belief that is professed by many so-called Christian sects that, you know, med medicine is God's way of, you know, he healing the world. Well, come on. I mean, if God needed medicine now, why didn't he need it when Jesus was here? I mean, that's so inconsistent and it's so wrong. And that is why, one of the many reasons, why Mary Baker Eddy was so attacked. You know. just, just as Jesus was, because people refused to give up the, their old beliefs, right? Their old beliefs. That's right. Missions that went with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. They were threatened. Now there and there are many, as we've said before, many fine physicians, many fine people in the medical world, and there's believe me, we're grateful for any good that's ever expressed. But the ultimate truth we're talking about now, and, and I love she's so frank. She says that drugs and all these other things are stupid substitutes <laughs> for the dignity and potency of divine mind and its efficacy to heal. Um and that Christian science is going to give religion and medicine more inspired with a diviner nature and essence. Fresh opinions are given to faith and understanding, and thoughts acquaint themselves intelligently with God. And mankind is the better for this spiritual and profound pathology. E everything has gotten better in so many ways since Mrs. Eddy discovered our science. Um, so, so many ways. So we, again, as Karen started in, with the watching point, to be so grateful for this wonderful truth of Christian science. All right. So we are, we are strongly knowing the all power of God. Therefore, we are knowing the utter... Yes. The total nothingness. Mrs. Eddy says, every mortal must learn that there is neither power nor reality in evil. Every mortal must learn this. That means you and 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 you. And Florence and I can't do it for you. Okay. We have our own road to hoe. <laughs> you have to do it. And when you've got a problem, this is why. You have to learn that there's no other power besides God. 
You've got to grapple with it and overcome it. So, and that is wonderful. And that will lift you up on the scale of being. Now, also with this idea of God being the only power, um, Carrie sent this beautiful article, Obedience by Clifford Woodward. Now, the existence of more than one supreme authority is impossible, said the psalmist. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Evil is not an authority. It has no power and can impose no requirements. The only authority is God, and his requirements are enforced by all the power of omnipotence. Obedience, then, means compliance with the requirements of God, omnipotent good. This article brings out, along with this idea of the all-power of God, comes man's obedience to these rules. It goes together. That means when you're not obedient to this rules, how are you going to feel? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. So bad, you're going to feel confused. You're going to feel unsettled because you, you're building something on the sand instead of on the firm foundation. This article goes on. Man made in the image and likeness of God, quote, reflects spiritually all that belongs to his maker, end quote. As Mrs. Eddy states in Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, man expresses every quality of God and conforms to all his requirements. That is, he complies with God's law. He is obedient to God, not because of any personal volition or because of chance, but because of law. Obedience and law are correlative terms. They refer to the unchanging relationship between God and man. That statement in Science and Health we refer to often that man is obedient to what? The mind, mind that made him. The mind that made him. It's a law. We are obedient. This is the obeying the first commandment. He is the one God. We will have no other gods before me. We will acknowledge no other power. We won't come out of the Father's house. And in doing that, we are obedient and we are happy and safe and peaceful and prosperous, every good thing. Grateful. And grateful, yes. Now, one other wonderful article that Carrie also sent called Clearer Skies, and it talks about um, quoting Mrs. Eddy's in miscellany, saying, the atmosphere of the human mind, when cleansed of self and permeated with divine love, will reflect this purified subjective state in clearer skies, less thunderbolts, tornadoes, and extremes of heat and cold, end quote. Here is more than a hint as to the cause of many untoward conditions and the cure thereof. It goes on, but as we purify ourselves, purify our thought, this purifies the atmosphere and it dissipates mortal mind atmosphere. This is why we have the troubles in the weather that we do at times. It's the stirring up of mortal mind. And we can handle it. And we do. And we should. And we must. <laughs> so. <laughs> he says there's no vapid fury of mortal mind. You talk? Yes. And, and vapid I was seen is like a dull. Right, look, the, look it up. And when people are dull, I guess they do crazy things. things yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's so true. Now, I want to make sure I get to um, Jeremy's um, forum before he disappears on me. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time. <laughs> yep. Can't go yet. <laughs> go ahead. Um, yeah. Uh, just when I was reading this week and it was talking about in Deuteronomy about you know keeping your soul diligently lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen and lest thy depart 
from my heart all the days of my life. I just felt like it went with what Mrs. Eddy said on page 479 about if there is no spiritual reflection, then there remains only the darkness of vacuity and no trace of heavenly tints. And so I, I don't know, I, I think a lot about how we are all here to be God's expression, and, you know, be his image and likeness. But if I'm, if I'm my, you know, my mirror is not facing towards that light, then I'm going to just forget everything and I'm not going to be able to do any good. So I just really, I like the, what we have here to keep us focused, especially like today, you know, and, and everything is just, we're always having our thought turned back to God. And I'm just really grateful for that. Thank you. Um, and then Parthens wrote to, uh, on that, uh, Mrs. Eddy writes, vacuity signifies vacancy, emptiness, space unoccupied. And then he says, the antidote to the darkness of vacuity is occupied till I come, Luke. Rather than vacate the house of the Lord, the consciousness of God, I am to be occupied, to be filled with a serene sense of having already found that which I have sought. This is again um, staying in the Father's consciousness, staying in the Father's house. You don't have a vacant house. You're in the Father's house. And then this, this is something I've loved so much, I give it usually at Christmas time. It's from The Healer. By Keiston, quote, I would like to read an excerpt given to me in the very early days by Mr. James Neal, the beloved student and friend of our leader. I've given this before, but I find it so valuable that I cannot resist sharing with you our leader's own interpretation of Christmas morn in healing a patient. Thou gentle beam of living love and deathless life. Truth infinite is you as God sees you, as you see yourself. Still, I quote our leader, I have taken this hymn and raised the patient who was at the point of passing on in the hospital. I held her as a gentle beam of what? Of living love. As far above all the strife, all the striving, as far above the conditions that brought her there. Our cruel creed, the doctor's verdict. So far above all cruel edicts, creeds of mortal belief, or earthborn taint, excuse me, creeds of mortal belief, or earthborn taint. So far above any taint of inheritance. And then fill us, fill her. Today, right now, with all thou art, with what? With living love and deathless life, truth infinite, thou all of me, fill us, be thou, our all of life, always. You know, all this talk about, um, and this is one of the treatments I give, this talk of the nameless nothing. All you can be filled with, all your lungs can be filled with, is this. God, how could it be otherwise? With what? With living love and deathless life, truth infinite. Thou all of me, fill us, be thou, are all of life, always. We treat this. It will release anyone in the hospital, anyone, anywhere. This is the truth. As our leader gave it to us in that beautiful hymn, that hymn will never be the same to me after this. Mm -hmm. I thank God for David Keaston and sharing this with us. It is so beautiful, so strong, so true. Nothing is vacant. Nothing is vapid. It's filled because God is 
omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotent. It could not be otherwise. Oh, there's so much more, but I have to jump over now to something <laughs> important, and that is this was the story, you know, the the, the man who had a spirit of the unclean devil. And what did he tell Jesus? Leave us alone. He surely did. He surely did. So in this beautiful article by William McCracken, one of my favorites, Suppression is Not Cure, he writes, The clamor for peace, peace when there is no peace proceeds from a desire for ease in matter, an error from, a, from an abhorrence on the part of the flesh of being disturbed. The evil thinker cries out, let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? The basis of all such cries for a false ease in matter is to be found in the belief that life is resident in matter. This belief is opposed to the understanding that God is the life of man, Truth will not let error remain at peace. <laughs> Constantly disturbing false beliefs and moving them off, truth and error will never be at ease with each other. They can never proclaim a mutual peace. Not even an armistice can be concluded between them. It is a fight to the annihilation of the error. And isn't that comforting? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Now, it, it reminds me in history, you know, we had this um, during Hitler's time. There was this lady, Astor, who was, I think, American, but then in England. Lived in England. Lived in England, and she was in the parliament and all that kind of thing. And, and my understanding is she was a Christian scientist. But she wanted to make peace with Hitler. She thought she thought Churchill was, you know, a drink and drunkard and, uh, you know, smoked cigars. And Churchill, Churchill's spiritual sense was operating very, very well. <laughs> he knew what Hitler was and he knew there was no compromise. While the Christian science lady was peace, 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 where there is no peace. So... Let, let this be a lesson. We. And what did Jesus say? I came not to bring peace. Sword. But a sword. We should all have that same attitude, shouldn't we? Yes. Clara, yeah. Yes. And it is always with error because this is where the, the Christian scientists and myself included until I was bashed and bashed by Mrs. Evans. They think you're, oh, you're hurting a person. We must be kind and loving. It is not toward a person. It is toward an error that must be annihilated, exterminated. It's quite clear. She uses very tough language throughout science and health and prose works. You must be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Yes. Because they're tricky and would love to eat my lunch. They <laughs> would take what good people have accomplished as his own mm -hmm. and uh, yes. his. Yes, 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 yes. And no, no. And right now, my, my your head's down, shields up. We don't go looking around, poking the bear. We don't look for argument. We... we we, yes, wise as servants, harmless as doves. It's very important. We're not out to prove anything. It's all been proven. We just know what we know. We just know what we know. And we do know it. And nobody can make us change our mind, <laughs> try as they might. And we keep the TV off because it is the hypnosis machine right now. It's being used. As a way, as I think I said last week, I've seen someone said the only way you can catch 
this nameless nothing is through the media, okay? <laughs> through the media. Otherwise, you can't. You want to listen and be hypnotized. This is why you cannot tolerate it, cannot tolerate it in your home, in your consciousness. You stay in the house of the Lord. And if you've stumbled a bit, then learn your lesson and get back on it. Okay, and we will end. I have so much, so many things, so many beautiful things. It's just, but we will end on that. Not this. Not that. I'll do that another day. Mind versus Resistance, William P. McKenzie, an excerpt. Christian science has made thinkers. It publishes truth. It illumines the way of righteousness. It fulfills that prophecy found in Isaiah, which says, An highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the proof that is perpetually given is the proof of healing. Mrs. Eddy says, Science and Health, page 483, quote, Mind transcends all other power and will ultimately supersede all other means in healing, end quote. In consequence of what they know, Christian scientists do not lose hope or peace or faith or love through the strife of tongues be great, though, though the strife of tongues be great. Though multitudes in the earth set themselves against Christianity and proclaim chaos. Christian scientists know that God is creator. They know that mind is power. So many times have they seen the power of good overcome the resistance of evil. They know with certainty that even as sunlight dismisses the valley mists with its glory rises over the mountains, so shall the time come when metaphysically there will be no need of the light of the sun. For God's presence shall be the light and the warmth and the comfort for all. And there shall be no more curse, and there shall be no night there. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.